I said, empty your mind. Be formless, shapeless, like water. It's about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Join movement expert Aaron Alexander as he dives into the minds of the foremost innovative healthcare thinkers and movement masters on their approach to optimal health and wellness. Align Podcast. Welcome back to Line Podcast. In today's episode, I got to have uh, a true American treasure on the podcast, Dr. Paul Ekman. Uh, Dr. Paul Ekman was named one of 100 most influential people in the world by Time Magazine. Uh, 2014, he was ranked 15th among the most influential psychologists, psychologists, psychologists of the 21st century. Uh, he's written over 14 books. He's got 170 published articles. He's holds several honorary doctoral degrees. Uh, he's a really big deal. He's, his life has been tremendous. He lived with the four people in Papua New Guinea studying their facial expressions, and uh, he continued the, the work and the perspectives, the beliefs of uh, Darwin. He's like a real revolutionary in this world of, of facial expressions, uh, mannerisms, and uh, what all these movements of our bodies represent and what they mean. So we get into all that in this conversation. Here is a little clip. Are you familiar with resting bitch face? What'd you say? Are you familiar with resting bitch face? Have you ever heard that? No. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into the website, aligntherapy.com. If you were drawn to that URL, you will find the five-day movement challenge where you will learn the fundamentals of how to move well in any situation. Uh, we need to have a basic understanding of movement mechanics to operate our bodies well for our lifetime, and that gets into all that. Uh, you can also get show notes on this and the rest of the episodes. Thank you so much for folks leaving reviews on the iTunes. If you do, we will send you out some stuff from Organifi. Uh, Organifi is delicious protein, superfood, blend, supplement company. Um, great owners, great, great culture around it. Uh, here we go. Review comes from smash two underscore underscore smash two uh male or female i wonder it could be could be anyway uh fun and insightful five stars aaron and his guests always leave you wanting more than just that hour-long podcast great info always exclamation point well this one's not even an hour long so smash will be probably not appeased by this experience but but that's okay send us a message on instagram at align podcast and we will send you out some stuff from Organifi. And also, if you guys buy stuff on the Organifi website, use the line code, A-L-I-G-N, you'll get 20% off your purchase. Um, I think we're good. We're good to go. I'm going to New York City to speak with publishers. I'm doing a book. Can you imagine that? A little old me doing a, doing a real book. Uh, so I'll be out there in... Uh, 11th and 12th for sure meeting with publisher folks and then I'll be out there for a few days after that if you guys have any ideas of people that I need to do a podcast with in New York City uh, please hit me up on Align Podcast or Align Band on Instagram and uh, I'd love to entertain that or even just any general ideas of fun stuff to do while I'm out there. All right, I think that's good. We are off to the races. Dr. Paul Ekman. Enjoy. Podcast. What was, can you, can you kind of refresh like, what, what the intention of going out there in the first place was? Well, I was trying to settle a, 
dispute or difference of opinion between Margaret Mead on the one hand, who said that uh, facial expressions and gestures are culture specific, there are no universals, and Charles Darwin. But while gestures are culture specific, facial expressions are universal. Uh, Darwin thought that because on his five-year voyage of the Beagle, when he would get off and go into these obscure different places around the world, he felt he could always understand people's facial expressions. He couldn't understand their gestures, he could understand their facial expressions. So the, the, uh, when I entered this uh, dispute, Mead's view was dominant and Darwin's was virtually unknown, which is, was amazing to me. I mean, the most famous scientist probably century, a couple of centuries, but one of them, he was famous for his book on the origins, but he had another book called Expression of Emotion in Man and Animals, yeah. a spectacular book, and he got it 90% right, and uh, the, but it, nobody paid any attention to it, they paid attention to me, so when I took on this dispute. I didn't care who was right, I just wanted to settle it, since neither one of them had definitive conclusive evidence. They each had an argument, didn't have the evidence to settle the argument, and I got it. And so I, I thought it was just a wonderful opportunity to, uh, and I knew that the opportunity would evaporate soon because the crucial evidence would have to come from people who had never had contact with the outside world because they couldn't have learned it from outsiders or the media. So would they show the same expressions and gestures or would theirs be totally different? That was the question. I got the answer. That's the work I'm best known for in the academic world. And from that you got, it was seven universals that you found. Is that right? Yes, the evidence was really strong for five of them. Okay. Less so for two more, but you know, better than nothing. And what, can we get in? Then you get in. There's, I think it's called that that atlas of emotions. It's like over ten thousand different facial expressions that we potentially have. Is there? Can we kind of like dig into a little bit of all that? Yes. Well. Uh, what I did was, uh, and I didn't do it to begin with, I, I created uh, a system for measuring facial movement off of a photograph or a film or there wasn't video in those days. and. Uh, the, there's been some previous attempts to actually scientifically measure expression, but they weren't very good. Uh, I thought I'd come up with a good one. I published it in the 70s. And then a uh, anthropologist I met, Wade Seifert was his name. He showed me a movement that, didn't, that I didn't have in my 
measurement system it was easy for the face to make so that convinced me I'd have to go and really learn the anatomy of the face and how each muscle worked to change appearance and I ended up took me about three or four years but I identified over 10,000 expressions that the face can make of those 10,000 you rarely see more than two or three hundred usually about 70 or 80 are in common usage but i developed the first of what is still the gold standard uh, for a facial measurement if you want to measure the face and you want to do it completely and you want to do it not interpretively you don't want to say that's happy you want to be able to say the lip corners are pulled up obliquely and the cheeks are raised you have to use my system or some derivative of it hmm. and all of those facial expressions have you could say physiological effects and uh, affect you on an emotional level as well well not all of them do some do and some don't hmm. there are a lot of uh, things you can do with your face that have no uh, significance. Uh, they, you can do more different things with your face than you ever do do in your life or ever see anyone else do. And uh, so it's a system that allows for many more different distinct expressions that actually occur in reality. You went through and, and practiced. Did you practice all 10,000 of the facial expressions that you? I not only practiced them, I photographed and filmed them. And you, I think you, I either read or heard you mention that it made you feel a certain way. Like you started, it almost well, it's like. Some, some of them did. And that surprised me. And that was really the basis for one of my discoveries I think I made three or four discoveries in my career and one of them an unexpected one was that if you make on your face voluntarily one of the universal expressions then you produce the physiology of emotion the changes in your brain and in your body that occur when that emotion is evoked normally not by making a face but that's a, the, the making of the face is the second route you, a surprising one I didn't expect it but there it was hmm. and that's specifically you notice that the strongest effect with the seven and what, what are the, what are the seven it's like anger fear disgust surprise happiness that's one of those guys <laughs> You left out sadness. Sadness. That's that's six, I think. What's the other one? Contempt is the seventh. Contempt. Yeah. What Contempt. C o n t e m p t. Yeah. So those are the strongest. Those are like the that's like the like the high points as far as actually creating like an emotional effect. And then there's maybe lesser effect between there, or kind of like shades between that, or how does how does that no, work? No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, you can, uh, if you're good at it, uh, 
you can make the expression of two different unrelated emotions in rapid succession, and, some, and a few of them you can make elements of two emotions at the same time. Uh, so, uh, and then you'll produce, if you do that, some of the physiology of each of those emotions. I call that the bolts and the jolts, because it doesn't feel particularly good to have the physiological sensations of two different emotions simultaneously or in rapid succession. Hmm. It's like First, primary one, colors. Uh, Did you say that? Well, that's... There's more mixing of primary colors than there is mixing of facial expressions. Okay. I don't think primary colors is a good metaphor for facial expression. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> um, and then do you, from there, did that change your perception of uh, like Western culture coming back from New Guinea and it's just the way that you perceive people? No, not really. Uh, it, uh, I, by the time I went to New Guinea, I had a pretty strong, well-defined theory about uh, what the expressions were. I had pretty well mapped what the face can do, and the, the expressions are really you know, the face can make over 10,000 recognizably different expressions, but no human being ever sees that. I saw it, but that's because I explored it. You know, in usual social life, you may see 50 of them yeah. in your time. What do you think of the, the debate, or maybe it's not a debate, of, of Botox impacting your ability to perceive other people's emotions because it restricts your own facial expressions. It's not true. Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> All right. I'll modify that by saying that most people can understand facial expression without imitating it. There are some people uh, some people with autism and some people with other kinds of uh, uh, neurologically based problems that can't understand an expression unless they can imitate it. Mm -hmm. And for those people, Botox is a handicap. Oh. But that's an abnormality. That's not the normal way in which we understand expression. Cool. How about tonality? Is that something that you, you've paid much attention to throughout your, your career? Tonality of voice, communication? No, I never studied the voice. I, I, I thought I had my hands full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had a colleague, uh, a, a German-Swiss scientist, uh, with whom I collaborated, who did some of the work with the voice. He never completed all the voice work, much to my disappointment. Mm. But we have a dual signal system 
the face and the voice. They normally, when in a spontaneous situation, it is they occur simultaneously and provide the same information. Uh, but we, in most cultures, people, children are trained to inhibit the vocalization more than the facial expression. Parents don't want to hear them yelling and screaming in fear or anger or sadness or disgust. So they teach them not to, so the voice tends to be inhibited. The other thing about the difference between the two is that the voice gives away location. Hmm. So you can, we can both be hidden, but you can see me and see my facial expression, but a third party can't know where I am from my facial expression unless they see me, but they could if I vocalized. Mm. So this gives a different, additional and different information to the face. But under normal circumstances, which most of us are not in most of the time, but if we are, then you'll get both the voice and the face at the same time repeating each other. Yeah, it's like the facial expressions are more intimate. It's like one to one versus one to potentially, potentially many. You did uh, a, a study in Japan where you were tracking people's facial expressions in public versus private. Yeah, you saw that, and you saw that they they differed. Do you, yes. Do you think that that could create any type of like psychological static or like disassociation or, or discomfort by not expressing yourself the way that you? You know, your, like your deeper sense would? Uh, perhaps if you never showed how you feel. But even the Japanese, you know, in private, in privacy of their home, they're not, they're not inhibited. That's what my research are. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think there are people. Uh, there may be some individual, but I don't think there's a culture in which expression is totally inhibited in all situations. Yeah. Have you heard, uh, you've, you've probably heard of the, the, the different studies around c contact. Some cultures end up contacting each other significantly more than others. So if you go to like France, everyone's always rubbing your shoulder and you think everybody's hitting on you. Then you go to England, it's the complete opposite of that. Have you, you looked into any of that, that type stuff or, or not so no. much? No. Hmm. All right. The, uh, one of the guys that you have been inspired by was, was, was his name David Efron, Efron the, the Argentinian anthropologist. And he was getting into how our gestures, I think they call them like, what are the emblems? Our gestures differ culture to culture, but our, our facial expressions do not. So like the way that we use our yep. hands and denote what's going on. Is that something, did you, was that like, was that surprising to you or anything? Uh, no, I read Efron's book uh, very early in my career and I thought it was superb work. It was unfortunately totally ignored because it was published when World War II began and it just got lost. Uh, I 
take credit for bringing back attention to his pioneering work on gestures. And uh, I met him uh, near the end of his life, and we talked a good deal and considered collaborating on a study, but we never were able to get the financial support to do so. Wanted to take a quick break and thank our sponsor, Organifi, for supporting the show. Organifi is a rad company. I utilize their superfood blends on a daily basis. Um, holding in my hands the green juice right now, filled with all the green powders your little heart could desire, from uh, wheatgrass to spirulina to chlorella to matcha. Really excellent stuff. Highly recommend checking them out. They also do protein blends that are vegan, as far as I can see. So the protein they're using in here is pea protein, quinoa protein, and pumpkin seed protein. Everything's organic. Everything's delicious. Highly recommend checking them out. So go Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com and utilize the Align code for 20% off. Organifi.com, Align code, A-L-I-G-N, 20% off. Get that stuff. Thank you guys so much for tuning in back to the show. Pow. The... I heard I, I heard you mentioned that the Nazi social scientists yes. they were determining inferior races by the way that they would their their mannerisms. Well that was their claim that you that it was biologically based and therefore you could identify the gypsies and the Jews and the Poles, I think, were the third group that they were derogating by their gestures. Now, of course, they did have different gestures, but what Efron showed in his uh, major study was that those differences disappeared in one generation if their offspring attended the same school mm. in the United States. Mm. How about lying? Is that something that, that people can, are, are some people better at, why are some people better at detecting lying than other people? Is that something that they can be, can be trained? Yes, I've trained a lot of people uh, in how to detect deception. I published a book that still brings me in. I just today got another royalty check. <laughs> Look to 1985, and I still make money from that book. Uh, it's called Telling Lies. Clues to Deceit in the Marketplace, Politics, and Marriage. And it's uh, never gone out of print. And, you know, it's still generating good royalties. It's in over 18 languages. Cool. And uh, if you want to, it tells you a lot. Now, you need additional training. Just reading the book will get you better than chance. But you'd have to take the training that I offer, and now I don't offer it anymore, but people I've trained do. You can get up to about 95% accuracy in detecting lies. Are there a couple standout things for, for listeners that they could start paying attention to? Everything. Say everything. <laughs> Yeah, there isn't uh, there there isn't uh, there isn't a particular twitch or gesture that's the giveaway for you have to really well they should start by reading telling lies. Okay. Then they'll know what it is. They'll already be able 
to do better than they better than chance, but they'll also know what it is they need to learn if they're going to really get up to a high level of accuracy. We could we were able in uh, it take about. Uh, 25 hours of training to get people up to about 95% accurate hmm. in detecting high-stake lies. Hmm. One of the things I've heard you mention was was um, disassociation. If so, if you're if you're lying about something, it's like it was Bill Clinton was the reference you were using. I did not have sex with that woman. So creating space between his lie himself and and the person, as opposed to using their name. Is there, so there's like verbal cues, is there any specific facial cues, like looking away, you call them micro expressions, or is it? Well, you have to look at their, their occurrence in the context of the speech. Okay. It's when the expression uh, contradicts the verbal content. Right. And that could be in a macro or normal expression, or it can be in a micro expression. Okay. How about hips? Because that's something that I've I've kind of noticed sometimes with myself is if I don't want to be in a place, I'll start to veer myself towards the door. You can kind of see your body starting to walk away from the conversation before, even though your your words are still there. So going beyond just the face, that's obviously or assumably something you're looking at as well. Yeah. I've really not paid attention to that. Oh. I've really focused just on facial expression and uh, gesture. Okay. So the main thing that you'd be looking at is, is whether there's conflict between what they're saying and what their face is expressing. If there's conflict there, then there's 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 something, something fishy. Well, it might be not just a conflict with the facial expression, but with the uh, gestural movements. Oh, okay. And tone of voice. And tone of voice. Right. What's blowing your mind? Is there anything that's that in this in this world that's that's been exciting for you? Or do you feel like you've kind of learned it all? Well, I'm basically retired. I don't. Uh, I attempted to write another book, but I don't intend to for two reasons. One is that the younger generation don't read books anymore. Oh, that's not true. I'm a part of the millennials. I read books. Do you really? Well, you're an exception. I read your book. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm glad. The, but uh, they read shorter pieces. Attention span, I think, uh, is shorter than it used to be. And totally true, for yeah. most people, not for everyone, but for most people. So I tend to, these days to write short pieces, 500 words, cool. that comment on a specific thing. And uh, I used to put them on the Huffington Post, but they've stopped accepting things. I used to have a platform, a named platform, on the Huffington Post. Uh, I still have one on psychology today, so that's where I put the pieces. And then I have a newsletter. It's free. Uh, and I have 137,000 subscribers and uh, active subscribers. Because if they don't open what I send to them twice in a row, I drop them. 
cool. And, uh, so the newsletter is my way of really reaching uh, people who are interested in what I have to say, uh, what I know about. And uh, that's what the internet gives us. It gives us a lot of nonsense as well, but it does give us a way of reaching people who are interested in what we are writing or talking about. Is there any way that you you would, any kind of like remedy for folks feeling maybe stuck in an emotional state of depression or envy or something just uncomfortable? Is there any window or access to start to speak to that through working with their facial expressions, like exercises or anything? No, not. I mean, there might be, but I have never... I was trained as a clinician to do therapy, but I stopped doing psychotherapy in 1960. And so I don't really, there may well be things you can do, but I don't know about them because that's, I decided early on I was not going to work the clinical side of the street. Hmm. What did psychotherapy sessions look like with you? If someone would see you, what, was, what would a typical session look like? I mean, when I did psychotherapy? Yeah. God, I can't remember. That was, <laughs> that was 70 years ago, 60 years ago. Oh, shoot. <laughs> what is this? You were, your age is on the internet. Do you talk about your age or, or not so much? I'm, I'm 84 years old. Is there anything in your, in this, life that you would change or make if you go back 60 years such a silly question but is there anything that you've like learned in this this time being in this body that stands out I uh, I'm on my fourth marriage and this marriage has been thriving for 40 years wow but if I could do things over again, I would not have had the earlier marriages, none of which lasted five years. They were uh, pretty bad mistakes and uh, took me a while to learn how to pick a marital partner and where it would work. Mm. So, uh, the I regret the marriages that didn't because they were not good experiences for either me or my spouses. But, you know, you do the best you can. What could you have changed with, with, with them? How could, how could it have been better other than just not getting married? But what was, was there any specific points? I think it was just they were not compatible people. Let's see, I remember correctly. Yes, none of them sustained a marriage after their marriage to me. What you could say is after you've had the best, how can you have anyone else? Now, I don't think that was it. I just think <laughs> that they had uh, commitment problems kinds that prevented them from sustaining a long-term relationship. You know, the to grow old alone 
know, someone said that growing old is not for sissies. Yeah. And it's true. There's a lot of things that happen when you grow old and facing the end of your life is not for sissies. Uh, but if you've still got a intimate partner that you're close with, you're fortunate. And that's what I have. Hmm. Is there any tips for nurturing a 40-year-old oh, marriage? I've got a really good tip. Yeah. Pick for a marital partner someone who has a conflict-free relationship with their parent of the opposite That's pretty good. That's the best predictor of a successful marriage. And, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't take a lot of judgment to know whether that's the case or not. It's just that there are a lot of very attractive people who still have unresolved relationships with their opposite sex parent. Those are not the people you should try to marry. What should those people do to become the people that are optimal to be married? They should try to resolve their conflicts with their opposite sex parent, either directly or through psychotherapy. Hmm. Not through their marital partner. Hmm. Is there any starting points that you would recommend for, for that, that person? Like type of psychotherapy or a specific? No, I'm really not an expert on that. Okay. The, uh, but there are some very good people doing couples therapy. Yeah. A uh, person whose work I know the best on respect doesn't mean it's the only work, but it's the only one I know is uh, John Gottman. G-O-T-T-M-A-N. Uh, he's, I believe, at the, in Seattle. Right? Works with couples. He, has, he does extremely well in being able to predict from a 15-minute sample of a couple's interaction whether their marriage is going to last or not. Cool. I'll look, I, I've heard of that. I'll, I'll look deeper into that. That's really cool. Great, man. Uh, thanks so much for, for your time and for your life and for your books and your, you know, you, you stood on the shoulders of Darwin and all those folks and hopefully some of us millennial whippersnappers can stand on, on your shoulders. Really appreciate it. There's some space there. Uh, now, are you going to publish anything based on this? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to put this put this out, and we can put it out any time that, that feels appropriate for you. And I still want to ask where people find you and where people can get on your newsletter and, and find your books and all that stuff as well. So where, where's that? Well, just paulekman.com, my website. Cool. They can find there how to get the newsletter, and they can find uh, links to all of the books. And uh, But there are only two that are written for a general audience. Uh, emotions revealed and uh, the Dalai Lama book and the Dalai Lama book yeah and uh, the 
And those are both still in print. You could order them from Amazon or from my website, doesn't matter. And uh, the and those are they're useful. Also, the microexpression training tool, the acronym for which is METT. Uh, that takes about an hour and it opens your eyes to see more. You may sometimes see things you're not happy about seeing, but you're going to be a much more sensitive interpreter and responder to the expressions of others. Are you familiar with resting bitch face? What'd you say? Are you familiar with resting bitch face? Have you ever heard that? No. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, well, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate. It. I will. I can put the. We can put this out anytime that feels good for you guys. And uh, whatever, like, just let me know. Awesome. Yeah. And folks listening, I highly recommend checking out Emotions Revealed. I haven't read the Dalai Lama book yet, but you know it's with the Dalai Lama, so probably check that one out too. Can kick around Dalai Lama. How's how's the Dalai Lama? Is he is he was. Is, his health is uh, not as good as mine, even though he's a year younger. Yeah. But on May 17th, he and I are going to have a uh, hour-long discussion that will be observable on the internet. Awesome. Where is it going to be at? Or is it just going to be via like, Skype, or are you going to be in person? No, it'll be on Skype. Okay. So if you uh, go into any browser and put in... Uh, Dalai Lama and Paul Ekman, May 17th. You should be able to find it. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we get to connect in person one of these days. Okay. Check right. me out. All right. Thank you, Paul. All right. Bye. Ciao. Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning into that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. That's some ways that you can support this podcast, one of which you can pick up an Align band, which is a heavy-duty resistance band, comes along with a door anchor and a carrying case, and a video guide on how to mobilize those joints and integrate that body of yours. Really great stuff. You can be found at aligntherapy.com and also on amazon.com. Um, thank you also so much for utilizing the Amazon affiliate link on the right-hand sidebar of the podcast page. Bookmark that thing. Anytime you purchase some crap on Amazon, purchase that crap. Through that link, we get a percentage of it. costs you nothing. And I think that's enough. Thank you guys so much for reviews on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Pow.